Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, Palm. Follow me on Twitter at dpalm66. Follow the show on Twitter at udpod. Follow the MCR Network at, you guessed it, the MCR Network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere. Podcast you're giving away for absolutely free 99. We're back. And I know what you're thinking. This has turned into largely a college football podcast because the NFL makes no sense. So you're saying to yourself, Palm, are you going to do an hour on Army-Navy? No. I will never torture you with Service Academy games. What I will do is torture you with someone who likes torturing me. Someone who likes to, <laughs> don't, no, you gotta let me, who likes to step on her own intro. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so if you listen to anything else on this network besides my little sports corner, first of all, you should. But you've definitely heard the voice you just heard laughing at me in the background. Ro and I get to hang out every week and talk about Marvel's uh, television shows. But she's joining me today to talk about a little about football, a, little, a lot about Notre Dame. And probably to make fun of me and make you feel bad throughout the process. Bro, how are you doing today? I am fabulous. And I never go into it trying to make fun of you. That just kind of naturally happens. Just saying. That's not true. But okay. Um, that's fine. You know, there's a I record the pre-show. Like I can I, I can splice that shit in here right now and be like, here's her deciding how to mock. I don't, you know, I don't really <laughs> feel like that's necessary. <laughs> anything. It's like yeah. anytime Felder lies on the internet, I'm just like, you know we record these, right? Like we can I, clearly, you should just make me that T-shirt and send it to me. I would wear the <laughs> shit out of it. I will wear it. <laughs> well, before we get too far into Louise's row, again, thank you for coming and joining us. I do want to give a quick second to R.I.P. Jimmy Rave. And there is a lot of people listening right now who do not care about Jimmy Rave, and I understand. Just give me two seconds to talk about him. Uh, Jimmy Rave was a professional wrestler from the Atlanta area. He helped found Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment, um, and he was – uh fixture on the indie scene for a long time he wrestled some of your favorite guys you see wrestle on mondays wednesdays and fridays um he wrestled alongside them wrestled against them um he had much well-documented struggles with addiction he had both his legs amputated this year in an effort in that continuing battle unfortunately he lost his life today december 13th 2021 um just uh acknowledgement if anything else from this show to say um rest in power uh jimmy rave also in the sad wrestling news, Amanda Hoover, um, the widow of the late Brody Lee, a.k.a. John Hoover, wrote a absolutely gutting testimonial on the Players' Tribune about what, on the day that would have been their 10th wedding anniversary. Ro, did you have a chance to take a look at that today? I mean, I may or may not have had to clean my glasses so I could see through them um, a couple of times. Yeah, it, it was, it, I mean, whew. It, it's... I, it's it's interesting to me because we're in the midst of this like second wrestling boom period. And so you get people who would normally n- not even stop to click on it to actually, hey, what is this? And then they get yeah. introduced to not the characters, not the flash, but the thing, the thing that connects people to wrestlers is the stories behind the stories. It's watching this guy who was working truck stops in Rochester. Chase his dream to the biggest stage, the biggest place possible. And unfortunately, the night after shortly after his biggest match of all time, lost his life. And go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I don't really say that much online unless you catch me every once in a while when I just have an absolute moment and I throw out a clip. I watch wrestling. I've watched it since I was a little kid. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to remember Rave. I mean, I'm mm. to date myself, that 1999, <laughs> not that long ago <laughs> in the land of me. But um, 
you know, I mean, come on. It's like, I think the first time that I ever got grounded was because I uh, suplex somebody because I saw it on TV. Yeah, I was like, my, you know, the first time that my brother decided that he was going to knock you if you buck with my mom, he got taken on the last ride in front of all of our neighbors. That'll do it. Into the back of a truck because That'll my tiny, yeah, my mom. Lesson was learned. Yeah, I mean, you know, like we used that, like it used to be a thing. It's like, uh, like say the words Jimmy the Superfly snooker around my mom and then see what happens. If you really want to know how deep in the paint my family tends to get with like wrestling and where we lie, it's like like it's it's a thing. So some of the stuff that's been happening with like people passing and uh the feeling exploitishness of the struggle with people's addiction and storylines getting written around it. And yeah, so it's been a, it's been a very interesting mixed bag for me for the resurgence of wrestling. I'm really enjoying what's happening with the women. Um, Mm. And like this, just the absolute, I can be pretty, but please understand I will choke you. to. For me, for me, it's more the ones who say, I don't have to be pretty. I'm still going to choke. Like, that's, right. I like the variety of what they've given us in women's wrestling. I promise you guys, it's yeah. not going to be a wrestling podcast. I'll have her on for that eventually. My bad. Point. My bad, y'all. Yeah. But I just want to say, like, we went to AEW two weeks ago, and the biggest pops of the night were Ruby Soho versus Chris Satlander. Yep. And Chris Satlander is a women's wrestler. Her character is a fucking alien. And couldn't have been more over with the Duluth, Georgia crowd. And so. I think, like as you said, like the women's really honestly is one of the things that brought me back. That Sasha Bailey match at, at Brooklyn is listen a top five match of my life. Like I remember where I was sitting when I watched that match on my couch. Like I fell back in love with wrestling during that period. Yes. But this is not a wrestling podcast. We will indulge ourselves and do that one day. But I did want to point everyone's eyes to that playerstribune.com. Amanda Hoover, if you think these are just if you think they're just like circus performers, that's fine. But read this story. This is a story about a man and his wife and how wrestling brought them together and how wrestling stood with them when he died. And You're going to cry, y'all. You're going to cry. I, it's, it's, you don't have to care about anyone's names involved. When you hear about this woman telling her child that his father was going to die, you're done. You, it will break you. No jokes. Uh, another story that's continued to break me has been – the Larry Nassar abuse allegations and or abuse convictions, everything that's happened, the pattern system web of abuse that occurred around Larry Nassar. Um, if you've been living under a rock, first of all, weird. Second of all, um, it's coming to a head today. So today, Monday, December 13th, 2021, there's a modicum of justice. USA Gymnastics and the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee agreed to a $380 million payout to settle the lawsuit between them and the 500 plus survivors of sexual abuse at the hands of Larry Nassar and others affiliated. Um, this is something that doesn't come without independent reporting, and we have a much longer conversation about that. But Ro, I want to say, is it is it is it cynical of me to feel kind of empty reading this news? No, because one, it's not enough. Two, um, it shouldn't have been allowed to go to a settlement because settlements always include things that don't get disclosed to the public. And I think that this is still a frighteningly tip of the iceberg situation. I think the women have been done a disservice. I think the families have been done a disservice. I think the Olympic Committee should have gotten handled 
And I think Larry Nassar should, you know, go to a prison in Louisiana in general population for the rest of whatever is left of his life. So, no, reading this... What? I'm not a religious man, but wherever, uh, if there's a hell, Nassar, front row seat. Listen, they're going to make a whole new level for him. But I, I really feel like this is one of these things that you see, and then very shortly thereafter, you start seeing things about people filing true bankruptcy, which means mm-hmm. no one ever gets any money. I didn't see that there was anything included in the settlement that made the costs of therapy or trying to resituate yourself to enter some type of civilian life, because this is a, an entire lifestyle that these girls have been in and some of them will never be completely free of. So this is a lot of people who have to eat out of this $38 million settlement. 380 million. And it's not big enough. No, it's not. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest things to take away from this. Another thing is the more we learn about these institutions and these systems that are put in place and say, oh, they've got the, the kid's best interest at heart. You look at Chicago Blackhawks with their front office. You look at um, Ohio State Wrestling. And, 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 and these are stories that aren't atypical. And I think that that's what needs, we're seeing, and there's, a, again, another podcast, but there's a large movement in this country around people who think that children are being trafficked. Most child abuse happens with someone they know or in their home. I personally think that it's not an inappropriate conversation to talk about what we do with sports and where it comes from and that it is highly exploitive and it is a form of trafficking, especially when you think about uh, how certain countries, including the United States, go to very, very, very far extremes to court athletes to come here to represent the U.S. Oh, don't you worry. We'll talk about that on a micro level, but I want everyone See, Rose good at this. Rose better than this than I am. So I say things sometimes, and I assume hey. y'all are going to make these macro connections. Rose over here taking you with the micro. So when I give you the macro, or the macro, excuse me, so when I give you the micro later, you can make that jump. I trust you. Rose does Rose trust you too. She's just smarter than you. So I appreciate that. No, no I mean, sometimes there, I, I, I personally think any issues that we have are multi layered. And this is one of those things where I usually get accused of uh, how come you got to make it a women's issue, or how come you got to make it about race. And I think. Ignoring the fact that we have a highly exploitive patriarchal society means we don't have the conversation about trafficking. And I think we should. Yeah, but I, I was using that more as a juxtaposition against the QAnon crazies versus people who are like, hey, you're right. neglecting the people in your backyard who you're giving the trust to who are violating your children. That well, was they would also be a, a very high percentage of the people who would be willing to let their children go to these training mills with very oh, little question there's, there's training mills but there's also like this is happening in like i said the blackhawks nhl organizations this is happening mm-hmm. in college uh wrestling this is not the 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 spotlights on these women right now and it should be they're they were this is the largest victim pool that i've this is it's horrific like when you read the catholic church books, it's oh don't get me started um notre dame uh we'll talk about that in a second Listen, um, but listen is, if anybody ever is. convinces somebody to turn a microphone and a microscope on at that school, mm. this ain't going to be nothing. But, well, you know, I ain't said nothing about nothing. Take the left turn from horrible things to something that I think is very funny for all of us. Let's a few years that. ago, Rex Ryan was outed as a homosexual, I believe Rod called him. Someone who has 
an affinity for the feats. And this morning on Get Up, they asked about Tom Brady's pinky toe. And this motherfucker sat there and said, well, as a toe expert, Ryan Clark ran off the set, bro. I Listen, if you I, can't get rid of the label, <laughs> lean into it. Turn into the skin. <laughs> Put it on your resume. Oh, shit. Highlight it as a top-level skill. You know, I mean, work no with what you got. No like this, dude. Work with what you got, Rex. Work with what I, you got. Because like, he hit the hard no comment when it happened, and now it's part of the shtick. Mm-hmm. He just needed a minute. He he needed, and you know what? Because <laughs> adults do what you feel. I think it's weird that now we're joking about it. I, I just not because it's toes. I think that's you know not that's not my get down, but because we're now taking this fetish. And making jokes about it at 9 a.m. on ESPN. Like, Listen, that's the weird part for me. If that's how Rex wants to incorporate this in to remind people that he is, in fact, an exceptional well of knowledge and he wants to let people know that it extends beyond football, I say let this man cook. Look, he's Buddy, he's Buddy Ryan's kid. Everybody knows he knows football. This is a whole new, <laughs> this is a whole new avenue. This is a whole new uh, revenue stream. Rex Ryan ready to get pushed out and, and get up and show up somewhere else on maybe the DSW network. I don't know. Listen, um, <laughs> there may be endorsement deals in this for him. He is old buddy for married with children. Um, <laughs> let me stop. <laughs> We're going to talk about college football now. I don't want to get this out of the way right now. I know. Georgia's going to lose to worse Georgia. Mm-hmm. I came on here last time talking all that shit about high and scared of Michigan, and I'm not. Because fuck Michigan. However, if it comes down to a team playing the same style as them with less talent, that's a game that Georgia can lose. <laughs> that's, that's a game that historically Georgia's found a way to come up short in. So all I'm saying is New Year's Eve, we're taking ourselves, my wife and I, and uh, we're taking a couple of friends and we're going to do karaoke with private karaoke rooms. No strangers, our own booze, singing in a room. I don't want to hear. I don't hear from no one. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I'm be singing Let the record Sonic. reflect. I'm be singing I didn't Sonic say. at about 12.30. Having a great time. And guess what? I don't want to hear it. Fine, I'll say what you mentioned. But I might text you. That's fine. You can try texting me. You can try it. You can try it. You can put me on Do Not Disturb, aren't you? I'm putting you on Do Not Disturb as soon as this podcast is recorded because you already threatened me with the, the fact that you're going to see Spider-Man. So I am. I am. I absolutely am. I'm really hoping they have us in Dolby or IMAX. If anyone was wondering about the thing she said earlier, I did record the part where she told me she was going to say it to me. I took the power away. Ah. Oh, it's all um, right. It's okay. It's okay. That was some bunny rabbit eight mile shit. It really is. It <laughs> really is. I mean, that I'm going to see Spider-Man tomorrow. Yes, we're going tomorrow. Mm. Um, and tonight I'm gonna watch season two of The Witcher, and I'm gonna finish the entire season of The Expanse. I mean, you know, we just gonna put out there the things I'm doing that folks can't. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Anyway, I'm doing. then I'm gonna go about, extremely okay. thirsty tomorrow and go watch that Michael B. Jordan movie. I care zero things about except for the fact he's gonna be in it. Because God loves right. me. Yes. You know you're all yes. right. I do. Yeah. As long as you know. Um, this past weekend, 
to no fanfare, the husband was awarded. And because he beat Georgia on a national title, on a national stage, excuse me, not for national title yet, Bryce Young won the Heisman. Going back to back to the school for Alabama, first time in years, wrote, when, when I was young, the Heisman mattered. When I was young, I built an entire evening around this. And what they've done is said, you want college football? Cool. We're going to give you college football all the time. And more importantly, we're going to give it all to you. So when it comes to the Heisman, as a nation, we'll have decided three weeks ago who's going to win this shit. So there's no impetus for me to watch. Yeah, we, yeah, we start parties. This used to be a thing. I checked my phone like, is the Heisman right? Huh, Bryce Young did win. It was uh, not a close race. The other finalists were Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett, and Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. If I may be an old man for a second, uh, Ro, would you allow me that? I'm going to yell at a cloud. Because it used to be in my day, that if we had multiple quarterbacks on the Heisman finals list, they're all very different quarterbacks. Eric Trout won a Heisman. Chris Winkie won a Heisman. Ron Dane won a Heisman, a running back. But now it's just, who's the best quarterback? Who's the quarterback that we like watching the most? Because guess what? Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett, CJ Stroud, it's, they play in the same game. No one's really – there's no, like, unique quarterback in that group. They're playing this new wide-open offense. And, yes, I know that Mitchinson is the third player. Go ahead. Are you, but are you really surprised? I'm not surprised. I can still be as disappointed. You know the last time uh, a defensive player finished second in Heisman voting? Was it early ops? It was 2012. You know, who the, you know who it was? Hello? You know who it was? I do not remember who it was. I do not remember who it was. Notre Dame's like own main titanium with the invisible girlfriend. And since we're it talking is... about institutions hey, that hey, matter, hey, hey, let's talk hey, about Notre Dame. Hey. Ro, people may not know, but you're a proud that Golden Gomer. was the rudest intro. Can you hear me over here? I almost want to turn my camera on so you can see the face I'm giving you right now. The audacity. He's a Negro head. If you put a Notre Dame alumni on this podcast, I'm going to bring up my Titea. So much. Can't really talk about it. It's it's also the closest last time we actually went on a full run. So, well, let's talk about this because I now personally am very mad at whoever decided they needed to tell him that she wasn't real before the game. So, domers and their invisible girlfriends aside, I have to ask because no, 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 no this is good. I promise you, it's going to turn good. Okay. Because mm-hmm. you got to do what every coach, every team hopes to one day do. You're a successful coach that no one likes. And you didn't fire him, but Brian Kelly was alleviated from your life. And now you've got Marcus Freeman. And now I can't make fun of y'all no more. Now I said, you can't even pick on him because he's black. And I appreciate that. And and I said, not you, but my other friends who like to pick on him, who are also black, I send them a picture of Marcus Freeman once a week just to remind them that they are on the bench. For, for those of you who don't know, 
I have a black head coach's agenda, particularly in college football, that will not allow me to give the dragons at the school so rightfully deserves. So, <laughs> so for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. the Notre Dame not so fighting Irish <gasps> oh. shall remain unscathed by me. But the second they tie Willingham this dude, the second they Willingham him, I'm back. Just know that. I know you didn't just say Willingham. Mm, at least you didn't say I that. I didn't do it. I didn't. That's your school. It is. It okay. is. And it's a great school to be from. From. Mm. Um, I think, you know, I think part of the problem that I have is I actually get to see the team that I know has the skills, ability, and the Ghanas to win, and they never actually get to play in that formation. So it it just, it kicks me in the gut a little because it also goes into the Black, it goes into the Black coach and Black player agenda. And it's why sometimes I just have to sit here and take the L and take the slander because it's not wrong. It's just sometimes the reasons why y'all think things happen the way that they do aren't the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And I can't say why things actually happen the way they anyway, do. No one will believe me. Me me saying I'm not making fun of this dude does not mean to see your Notre Dame apology. I refuse. Because, I am not because, trying to make an apology. Because uh-huh. the man who you parted ways with is now making $9.5 million a year to do shitty dances on the internet and to give us fake southern accents at LSU basketball games. Bro, oh, can you prepare the LSU faithful how little they're going to like this man? Y'all, just get some good edibles and drink now. Oh, I'm going to tell you. I, yeah, I, they drunk. They they're going to want to stay that way. Look, I was done with Brian Kelly the very first time he had the audacity to snatch somebody up on the sideline and get in their face. And I haven't really been down for the cause since then. I also was highly skeptical about the way he left Cincy. Um you know, I, I don't like I don't like it. I get negotiations. I get right. signing an NDA. You can't right. say anything until the deal is closed. I get all of that. But when you craft this image to throw people off that actually is completely disrespectful to your players and mm-hmm. your program, mm-hmm. that's when I would like to burn you in effigy. And mm-hmm. when they brought him in, he got especially after I was like, let's I cook. Why why are you doing this? Why don't you why don't you let the man who you brought in here who you know has to clean up a foul ass locker room, campus, culture and recruiting program, why don't you let him cook? And they didn't and then they brought this dude in and um uh, broke some of their own rules about how they get players and what happens with players on campus to reposition him in a way that they hadn't done since Bob Davies. This, yeah. this is my point where I remind everyone that 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 uh, uh that I went there. Brian Kelly killed a kid. Um, um, uh, 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 why is that in the singular? Didn't he just kill the one the the, the video coordinator? Sure. See, this is all this is all podcast conversation. This is a good one though. So, but this is interesting because for the first time in my lifetime, or anyone's lifetime. You're leaving jobs that would normally be the end of your career job. You don't go to Notre Dame to go somewhere else. You go to Notre Dame to retire. You don't go to Oklahoma to say, oh, I'm going to go to USC, Lincoln Riley, 
and I get there are individual reasons in both situations why these players, why these coaches would do these things. But the bottom line, the the, the bottom line, it's all that money, baby, because they broke college football years ago by giving these coaches all this money. Yep. They broke it further when the NIL said, "Hey, that little endorsement money you get from that uh that that car dealership, that's going to the quarterback now." And while some coaches who don't exist, I'm just making up straw man coaches, might say, good for my players. He deserves to be remunerated and kind for his efforts and talents. The actual coach is saying, well, fuck that. Where's the rest of my money? Well, and, and Notre Dame, it's, a little, it's even a little bit more complicated. We're off because of, we're, we're not Notre Dame. We're off, we're no, off I'm, no, I'm just using it. I'm using it as an example so we don't have to actually straw man. They actually have an insulated layer, which actually empowers the coach to make the determination of what happens under the new rules of who gets compensated. And and because of that insulated layer, the coach is like, well, you're going to give me some more money or we don't have names on our jerseys. Now, do we? There are certain oh, okay. things. So that's yes. OK, but that's that. I'm talking more largely to the larger organism of college football. College right. wages, because the players are biting into that piece of the apple, the coaches are demanding more money. And now, well, because if you didn't, if you coaching in Notre Dame, you should have been demanding more money because they got you we're, there we're, on the we're idea. We're no longer of talking about your fake school. About We're no longer talking about your school. No longer. Make me stop. It doesn't count. Doesn't count. It sure does. It sure does. Not a real school. Now, you talk <laughs> about real schools. Jesus. <laughs> You're talking about real, actual football schools that don't get to schedule Stanford to pad their stats. Sweet baby Jesus. The what? money that exchanges hands. It's beautiful. It's, <laughs> it's, but it's so wild to me because people are like, oh, the NIL. This is the this is what you asked for, T-Palm. The players are getting paid. And my answer to them will always be, no, they aren't. Nope. They're being compensated for extra use of their image, likeness, and name. The question is, when that coach or when that school brings in all that money, how do we justify not playing the players? You know what it is, Ro? Here's the best example I can think of. The internet occasionally, for those of you who aren't on the internet like or Twitter, they'll bring up a question. And you may hear different people involved in the question, but it always boils down to this. I'm going to use someone who I've seen in, in the question. Would you rather have a million dollars or dinner with Jay-Z? For years... The NCAA has told you, we're giving you dinner with Jay-Z. Two weeks ago, Jay-Z tweeted from the title account, which is essentially his burner, take the money. Take the money. Mm-hmm. And as the system gets shaken, and as we realize that the NCAA has no jurisdiction over the playoffs, they're actually connected in any way, shape, or form. If the conferences are making money on their own, dude, independent TV deals, and I do this every four or five weeks, but the question must be asked, what does the NCAA do besides keep kids broke? Uh, bar workers' compensation from ever becoming a thing? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they do, honestly. Collect checks on the backs of unpaid labor. And They're so, a mob. They're a mob. as the NIL money comes in, what it's done is it's more greatly exposed the inequality right throughout. And I didn't watch college football last year because of COVID. I watched this year. It was a lot of fun. Georgia's good. Um, but it's one of those things that you can't put back in the horse doesn't go back in the barn. Everyone knows it. And no system takes any threat laying down. Follow the money. Mario Cristobal, who is a fine coach, who got Molly up twice in a row by Utah, by the Utes. <laughs> That's a stupid name to say. Um, Miami 
went and pried him from Oregon to the tune of about $12 million, including his buyout, his new contract, and the staff, to bring him to Miami. And now it looks like they stole that money, not only from the COVID relief funds because of the University of Miami health system, but more than $100 million in matching contributions to faculty retirement plans have been slashed. Bro, this is it. Like, if we're yep. going to burn it down, this has got to be the point. And if it's Mario Cristobal that does it, if Miami football destroys college football over Mario fucking Cristobal, who I'm pretty sure in-game I could outcoach. Yeah. That. See, now you've put this in my head and I can't unsee it. I hate you. Because <laughs> it could happen. Oh, oh, for sure. How many lawsuits are there right now? Over 100? Yeah. This is really, like, people, like, everyone, everyone thought the threat was NIL and the players getting some sort of money because they're all myopic assholes who think broke players make better players. What they're learning is there's so much money involved that now the system's broken. How broken is it? Clemson University has been good at football the entirety of my relationship with my wife. We met, no shit, yesterday, 11 years ago. It's a very cute story. I'd advise you to go premium, listen to Hell No Cupid. I've told the story there. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. Clemson, last week, lost their athletic director, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and a shit ton of commitments. Because Dabo Swinney's not a very good coach. And all it took was one down year. So the way Dabo kind of gained the system row, is that he what he would do is they'd have these great seasons, and then players and teams would come asking, "Hey, Brad Venables, you want to coach my team?" You know what Dada would do? He'd give the motherfucker a raise to stay. Yep. So what happened was when while Clemson was doing all this winning, they had the highest paid assistants in America, while Nick Saban's losing assistants left and right, and telling him, "Good luck, God bless, come and try me again. I'll put you back in the ground, but you know, good luck as long as you're not playing me." Dabo was just like, what if we paid you more? What he hasn't done is build a pipeline or a network of people who want to come work for him. It's going to be very interesting to see what staff he puts together and what kind of recruiters he can build because I'm ready to go back to LL Clemson. I'm, bro, I'm edge of my seat. I'm so ready to I, laugh at I, Clemson. I think it's going to happen. I think I think Clemson has made, made the error that can't be unmade without – they're too far down the rabbit hole to jump off this boat. They're they're heavily and highly invested, and I think by the time they realize that they really got scammed, it's gonna they're it's gonna be irreparable. I but think I think is, this is it. It wasn't a scam. That but wasn't was it? Give me, give me the money. I'll go win some games. And for eleven years, he's done a shit. He's done more winning at Clemson than anyone's ever done at Clemson. Like this is the zenith of their program. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen is that falling action, that <laughs> that post-climactic resolution is going to be real ugly. Brett Venables went to Miami to go break college football with Mario Cristobal. Mm-hmm. He didn't go to the SEC. He didn't go out west. He stayed in the conference. Like that's that's the one that got me. Was like when Venables, oh not Venables, uh, what's the um. Radikovich. When Radikovich said, I'm not just going to leave Clemson, I'm going to stay in the ACC and go build a similar program in Miami, a similar program in a place that's not South Carolina. And by that, I mean 
larger population, larger talent pool, easier to recruit. I'm not bagging on South Carolina right now. It's a horrible state on its own. Um, oh. What? It's a, it is a. Hey, I'm from North Carolina. I'm not going to dispute anything you got to say. North Carolina, cool as hell, man. I can defend yeah. North Carolina. Like, like I'm not so. like I don't even consider what you said to be slander. I just feel like it was just a shallow it's insult. Just, just too close. You, just too it, close. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you could have dug a little deeper for that one. It's fine. I feel you. I feel you. Well, we're gonna stay in the southeast, but we're gonna go to the the places where the players are paid. Not enough, but they're paid. The NFL, they have some agency. Bro, have you been following this nonsense in Jacksonville? I had to nope out. I was just because you called because it's nonsense. I was like, what is happening? I'm done. Just stop talking to me about this. For those of you who don't know, Urban Meyer was once one of the most highly sought after college football coaches in the land. Remember oh. he went, he won until he didn't. His last season at Florida, he went eight and five, faked a hard ailment. Whatever. A hard ailment occurred allegedly. He retired just for more time with his family. He did one year television, and then he coached Ohio State for a long time until the wheels fell off there. And then he retired again, said, I'm not going to coach again. And then Shad Khan was like, what if you want to come coach the Jaguars? And if you're paying attention since then, it's been a raucous 11 months. He was hired in January to run this franchise. Let me tell you everything that's happened since then. In February, or excuse me, uh, in the spring, he hired a man named Chris Doyle. Chris Doyle was the training conditioning coach from Iowa who had been released because of Racially insensitive comments he'd made habitually over the course of 10, 15 years. Again, that's very pipe- tactful of you. The 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 the, the, the pipeline Rose spoke to earlier, the trafficking where we normalize the treatment of these children, and then they don't know how to speak up for themselves. This is the micro of the macro she stated earlier, uh, a connection I usually wouldn't blatantly make, but I'm glad she's here. This is it's a better show in my opinion, <laughs> Um so there was a lot of in the building pushback on this hire and they fired the man before he started. So that happens. They start off, they're bad. They're Jacksonville, they're gonna be bad. But they were bad on the road and he didn't come back with them. He stayed in Ohio and got caught on camera being grinded upon by a woman Lord. who was not his wife. Lord ground upon, is it ground? I don't, I look, it was something. <laughs> what it was was tragic and stupid and then talk about yes. His picture over the bar. Oh, yeah, it was in his bar, too, by the way. It's, in it's, his, his you bar. can't even pretend like she I didn't apologize. know who you were. Your face Everyone on the bar, sir. It's called Urban's Place. Everyone knows who you are. And they still snitched on you, Herb. And that's where my first breadcrumb was picked up, bro, honestly. Because now, before, you know, they came back, they won a game. Before they lost this past game to Tennessee, they had lost... Uh, they've lost four in a row, five out of six since their week seven by, averaging 10.7 yards a game. They didn't fire him after the, the thing with uh, the Bengals. But in the last two weeks alone, sources say, and I swear to God I'm reading this, receiver Marvin Jones, one of the locker room's most respected and mild-mannered veterans, became so angry with Myers' public and private criticism of the receiver group that he left the facility until other staff members convinced him to come back and have a heated argument with Myers during practice. During a staff meeting, Meyer delivered a biting message that he's a winner and his assistant coaches are losers, according to several people informed of the contents of the meeting, challenging each coach individually to explain what they've ever won and forcing them to defend their resumes. I don't just... Hold on, it gets better, because after the games... Mm -mm. I'm sorry. After the game Sunday, they asked him about a player... Andre Cisco. He's a safety. He Lord. is, I believe, a fourth round. Uh, 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 
a draft pick for the team, third round, excuse me, and he hasn't been on the field much. They, you think it's by design by the coaches. He was asked after the game about Cisco playing more again, and Irvin Meyer's reply was, Cisco's playing a little bit more, I believe. I don't have his numbers in front of me. Ro, would you like to guess the number of defensive snaps? This he has game? zero defensive snaps as a Sunday. Zero. Zero defensive snaps as a Sunday. And he didn't even know he wasn't playing. Oh. And if I could just, if anyone in the Jacksonville area who does media is listening to this, make up a player. Make up a player and ask him about a post game just to see what he does. John Jacobs. This, this is just science at this point. Jingleheimer. I, just, just, just make up a name. No, no. Pick a name from the Key and Phil skits. Even better. Because <gasps> then we'll have footage of one of them saying the name. Pick one of those names. Ask him how he thought he did in the defensive backfield and just see what Irvin, see how Urban lies. Actually, don't get in position. What did you think of his effort of whoever out there and see what Urban lies? Because at this point, I'm convinced, because, bro, this didn't run on, like, NFLDraftScout.org. This didn't run on a Twitter account. Uh-uh. This was in this was on NFL.com. Yep. Reported by Tom Pelissero. This is not some guy who's got a gotcha account on Twitter. This is the NFL. Like, that's why, honestly, second breadcrumb, I'm thinking it's Urban leaking it. Because if I'm Urban Meyer and I'm unused to the goings-on of – the media machine around NFL football. I'm used to college town. I'm used to talking to kids in Columbus and telling them, hey, kids, you didn't see this shit. You never want to speak to me again. I'm used to doing that. I know how to leak things in a college town to make a, a DC or an OC look bad. How do I leak things in the NFL? Hmm. Well, if you're Urban Meyer, you just fucking call a reporter and say, put someone else's name on it. Here's everything that's happening. I hope they'll fire me. They didn't fire me after I let them film me and release it <laughs> on the internet. But they And I didn't. Bro, I listen. I don't disagree. I personally think that he is trying to get violate the bro, terms of his contract. Wait, 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 I can't. I can't believe when he didn't fight him with the team, they didn't fire. I'm like, wait, this nigga decided to stay. He yeah. said, nah, I'm good. Yeah, but that honestly, I can believe that. I, I he's never been right in the head as far as I'm concerned. But I think at this point, he wants to go home. He don't want to be the one to say I want to go home. See, he's trying to get them to send him home. But by well, any means necessary. He's not Urban Meyer and you're not used to losing, but you have the first round draft pick, the first overall pick. There's no way you thought this was going to go any differently. Like I get I get hubris and, and intellectual dishonesty and lying to yourself. I understand all those things. I'm a human being. However, Urban Meyer has always believed his own smoke. He's always inhaled it and believed his own hype. He's never, ever, ever processed that he was truly only as good as his team. And the latitude that that team had to come behind him and clean up his damn mess. Now he's somewhere that no one likes him. No one has time for this. He does not have a handler like he did in college. At the college level, clearly they need to bring his wife everywhere. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He does not get this game, and he's trying to force the game to either let him go or conform to the way that he moves. He really, really, truly believes he is that good and he doesn't understand why the pieces around him aren't falling into place. He's never given the people who've worked for him their due credit. And if this ain't the, this isn't the, you know, perfect example that it wasn't all urban all these years. I don't know what is. Oh, this is the Brian Kelly shit right here. I'll blame the players all that shit. Yeah, this is the Brian Kelly shit. I do want to say this. Worse. I don't even know. I kind of wish I was a Jaguars fan because at least I'd have something to be mad about. I'm a Falcons fan, bro. 
And I'll be kidding goddamn if they don't keep putting my team in the still in the hunt graphic. Still in the hunt. Bro, the Falcons are six and seven with a point differential of negative 108. Yes. The fuck? I don't know. They're very angry with you. What did you do? I feel it's personal at this point. I turned I watched one half of one game this season and said this team is trash. Turn it off. I don't I don't know what's going on. I kind of started opting out of football because what I don't um, like is with the 17 games. All these teams, it's week what? Week 15, 14? Yeah. All yeah. these fucking teams have between four and seven losses. And they're yeah. all in the mix. And I'm like, I don't like it. I don't like one bit of it. Nope. You said you, I was told that Americans wanted parody. That was a lie. We celebrate greatness here. You buy Bulls DVDs from the 90s. You don't buy Knicks DVDs from the 90s. You know why? Because that's mediocrity. We celebrate greatness here. Ouch. What? Nothing. I mean, it's just the blackness with that rolled off your tongue. Ow. Point the lie. Point the lie. I look. You're not gonna call me. I ain't calling nobody no liar. When you're not lying, and, you know. Look, God likes me. I'm trying to keep it that way. Oh, well, God likes you. I love you, and I know the fans, the listeners will too. Please tell everyone <laughs> where they can find everything that you do every week across the world. Uh, I'm usually on Twitter entirely too much at at bookblurred. I do the Super Recap Tuesdays for the Marvel shows with you and Chris. I do movie reviews with Chris and Deepalm, all of these things at the MTR Network. I do written reviews for What to Watch. I just started uh, taking over the anime series on Netflix recommendation list for IGN. So Okay. Um, and I'm rebooting and relaunching now that I have crushed the tiny person who tried to try me, uh, and I'll be relaunching I Talk Shit and Read, where I will be doing book talk, um, conversations about other random things, and if I lose my mind and I can't type, there may in fact end up being political episodes, because I have a law degree that I don't use and I have opinions, God help you. And I'll just be wandering in and out to ruin that podcast. You really, really will. I will absolutely be having you on that show so we can just ruin and spoil and destroy people's hopes and dreams about, you know, their understanding of civics and other things. Can I point out something that um, I probably shouldn't say to you on the air? Sure. You are, far and away, Susan's favorite voice on this network. Oh, well, that, that makes me proud. This initial UD pod appearance is going to be a backdoor to have us all on to talk about heels. And <gasps> I will rewatch. I call it Friday Night Tights, Friday Night Lights and Tights. And I, the love that she has for heels is so, I was like, well, this is, I, I have our first joint podcast with Ro. Whenever we get some time, we're going to sit down and talk about heels. Listen. Listen, I can't think of two people who I want to talk about this show with more. I will rewatch and take new notes so I can be prepared because that is such a my jam. It's got a second season. I'm ready. I'm in. Oh, my God. Susan was like, wait, did they announce the second season? I was like, yes, man, they did. She, You thought she won the Super Bowl. She was happy as hell. I was like, wait a second. I can I make know. you watch Arrow. Stephen Amell learned how to act on Arrow. I'll tell you what you say, man. He learned how to act. He did. We it's watched fine. it happen in real time. We watched him struggle, them struggle for a few seasons. He figured it out. We got there. He figured out what to do with his face. And now, Jack Spade, you're all and very welcome. You're welcome. We are here for it. We've trained him well. And this 
it's just just a little tiny masterpiece of delight and i am i'm ready but I'm, yeah I'm, I'm scared when people are going to notice they're going to change some shit i'm like yo we got mike o'malley as like the shitty promoter <laughs> i know he's a producer but it's perfect casting stop the stop the auditions mike just grow your beard out. We'll be fine. Like, listen, Mike, I'm just going to need you to get in front of the camera. I understand that's what you're not supposed to be here for, but we just don't have any choice at this point. I endorse this. The role is too perfect. Nothing mm-hmm. we can do. Uh, again, Ro, thank you so much for coming on. If you guys like listening to Ro, listen to all the things that she listed out. But if you like listening to me and Ro, the Super Tuesday recap, Hawkeye, there's two episodes left. Episode five will be coming out Wednesday. And episode six, the Wednesday before Christmas, we'll be on to talk about all the things from that, eventually, I'll see Spider-Man 2 because, you know, God don't love you like you love, bro. That's all right. We're going to talk about that right now. Um, I am blessed and highly favored. you be all right. Favored. We'll be getting a bunch of stuff, uh, content over the holidays. I'll have a lot of free time, a lot of time to talk to my friends on the internet. Hopefully, we'll do a little NBA talk. Like I said, we're not doing any sort of NBA reviews until Christmas Day. So maybe I would check my feed that day if I were you. Nice. That was I, the show. I, I, I may just go deep in the bag and pull out some stuff that I had to keep behind a paywall and just throw it up and give people some interviews with some random folks of interest who I got to talk to. So everybody should check out all the feeds at MTR because we have zero chill when it comes to Christmas time. Y'all, y'all saw that, right? I was trying to do a little promo for my little show. I did. I did. I'm not talking to you. It's okay. It's why I'm here. Listen, I listen to UPod. I make people listen to UPod. My mama now listens to UPod. You be be quiet. Y'all saw, y'all saw me trying to give a little promo for my little show, and she's like, "Oh, in case you don't want to hear Deep Home talk to his friends, excuse you, illustrious ass people. Excuse you. No one said that. No one said that. Didn't even go there." Leave it to insecurity. See what happens in your life. Mm -hmm. That was your show. There is no (laughs) outro. See you guys next time.